Meredith Ryburn. Welcome to the Perpessence Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. How are you doing today? Oh, man, I have had a fantastic day. It's actually a Tuesday today when we're recording this, but it feels like a Monday, and Mondays are filled with fresh starts, so I'm just pumped. Also, you're a positive Monday person. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm a positive Monday person. Okay. It's a new week. It's a new day. All kinds of new stuff. And I think if you're loving what you're doing, if you're living life, you might as well jump out a new week. True. But what if I start the week on Sunday? Ooh. Well, yeah. So I have several ramp ups to my week, right? I'm mm -hmm. a pastor. So I like I get really pumped for Sunday because it's a huge day in my week. But then Monday is when I come in and get into like all the tacticals. So I get really excited about looking back and jumping in. And so I kind of get two jump starts to my week. Okay. Gotcha. You have a little trick going on. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of do that too. Like kind of like, all right, just to make it to this week or this uh, this day. And then after I do that, I mean, like do yeah. pay, paid Friday. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, it's just trying to make it through and so you don't stress out. Yeah. It's like when you're working out, I like to do a lot of the like um, little fake outs on myself. So like if I'm running, I'm like, oh, when I make it to that sign, then like that'll be the end. Yeah. But then I get to the sign and I tell myself again, ah, oh, you're so close to the end of the road. You might as well go to the end of the road. Right. Just kind of keep pushing that line on yourself. Yeah. And then like you get comfortable with that and you can push it a little farther if you if you want. Exactly. That's how I go at it. And since you mentioned that, that's how we met. That is how we met. I was trying to remember when it was. It was before my oldest son was born. So it had to be pre-2015. Yeah, that's about right. I, that's what I was thinking, like 2014, 2015, yeah. somewhere around there. It was before, actually it was before I worked at my current job. Okay. So that was 2013. There we go. So, so look, we're, so we're going way back. Yeah. yeah. I had some girlfriends who were working out Yep. and they told me that there was this really mean workout coach. No. <laughs> and they invited me along and we would do these like workout routines and it was probably the most intense workouts I've ever done. You had us like flipping tires and running up hills and, but it was good fun. We really enjoyed it. Oh yeah. You, I was proud of you. You really pushed yourself hard. That was good. I did something. Yeah. <laughs> Got at it. And uh, that's honestly, that was the reason why I was interested in when those videos of uh, Cornerstone yeah. uh, go live. Sure. And I happened to see you. And of course, you know, I'm going to support my friend. And I happened upon a really good speech. Oh, thank you. It, it, it moved me and uh, I got all excited. And I'm like, yeah. that was really, really good. Wow. Thanks. I appreciate that. It means a lot. I think it, it was very uh, personable, like people can apply it to their life, which is good. Yeah, I hope so. I try and think when I'm preparing, um, you know, okay, what does somebody do with this on Sunday? Or sorry, not on Sunday. I know what they're going to do with it on Sunday. They're going to get excited about it, hopefully, and lean right, into it. What right. do they do about it on Tuesday? Where When it wears off. Yeah, when it wears off, when you're in your week, when when work starts pressing in and family starts pressing in and everything's happening. What do I what do I do with what I heard this weekend? Does it really apply to my outside of my, you know, my experience on Sunday? Does that mean something in my week? So, um, you know, it means a lot to me that you felt like there was something practical to, to take away. That's that's my hope and my prayer every single weekend. Yeah, definitely. Just from an outsider perspective, like I'm just like chilling in my kitchen, making food while the yeah, kids cool. are 
you know, playing in the living room. So awesome. I mean, if it got me, I'm pretty sure it got people that were there. They're Over the noise fire. of the kids. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. great. So, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that and kind of get your, I don't know, your philosophy on it and sure. kind of talk about. Well, let the audience know about it. It was called Moving Mountains, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's when you had reached out to me after. Mm -hmm. um, we were in the middle of kind of a, a series of messages or a series of, uh, of preaching sermons here at the church talking about moving mountains, and which is, uh, I think, a picture for us of mountains look like things that are completely immovable. Right, so it right. sounds like an oxymoron, right? Moving yeah. mountains. Right. Um, but then we look at something like a mountain as well and say, okay, what is a, a metaphorical mountain mm. in your life? I like that a lot. What's something that you look at and you think this can't be moved? And mm. I love it because it, it's the, it's the big scale. It's the large societal things and it's the small things in your life as well. It's the everyday, I think I'll never be able to. It's open to other people to, you know, whatever, accomplish their dreams. It's right. open to other people to, to graduate from college or to graduate from high school. But my people, my, my family, we don't do those things or it's never been done. So that Ooh. feels like a mountain, something immovable in my life. Um, but but I, I believe that that's not true, that that's not possible. I believe that with God anything is possible in our life. We can move into things and lean into things. And, and I think there are tons of examples of that. Um, you know, I think we look back in our nation's history and something like slavery seemed immovable. It seemed like too much was invested in it, too much financially, too much historically, too many people still supported it, that even those who were like, I don't think it's really that great of a thing, felt like we're not going to be able to move that. But it takes a few people who say, we think we can move it. It looks immovable, but we think we can move it to lean into that. Mm -hmm. And and what we thought was always there, always part of the topography of our country, if we'll say it that way, becomes flattened out, becomes something that is no longer there, and now something that is just part of our history instead of part of our current story, part of who we are anymore. Um, and, I, and I think there are things like that now for our generation now as well. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think people just get overwhelmed because it's such a, a big catastrophe, mm. you know, and I think we can't solve it as people. We have to solve mm. it within ourselves. Mm. And when you solve it within yourself and we start to teach our kids that and try to get this, you know, this, uh, these morals going mm. and by doing that and just influencing people one by one yeah, is all we can do. And just like, there's so many people, there's, there's the Beatles, there's Mr. Rogers, like there's a lot of people that yes. want to make an impact in the world, but they keep seeing bad stuff happen, worse stuff happen sure. over and over. It gets worse and worse. But I mean, we have media, so and people think, oh, it's the worst it's ever been, but it's really not. If you if you study history, and all the civilizations that's been happening, like happened in the past, you see this happen over and over. Yeah. And we are learning. We are getting better. I would say we are the best we've ever been. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think, did you see the Mr. Rogers movie? I did. It's amazing, right? Like it's, you just it leave. It is really, really good. And you just want to be a better person. Yeah. Are you talking about the the documentary or are you talking about the Tom Hanks one? I'm talking about the Tom Hanks one. Uh, the, documentary the, the documentary is also good. Yeah. But I think, I don't know, I think the story of the Tom Hanks one just yeah. really drew me in okay. in such an incredible way. So, and I just left thinking, am I spending, you know, the time that I need with people? Am I investing in people yeah. in the way and slowing down? So I, anyway, it was just Ooh. incredible. But I think you're right to what you're saying. It's an incredible time to be alive. We have access to so much information. We do. And that's why I think right now is the time that some of these things that look like mountains in our society, in our world, are we're going to start seeing them come down. We're going to start seeing them crumble. I believe God's positioning people on purpose. Mm -hmm. I believe he's positioning technology on purpose to say, okay, we can really start to see an end to this. And what it takes is people who don't, want to sit back and just commit to saying, well, that's the way it's always been, therefore it always will be. Mm. But people are who are really willing to lean in and say, I'm going to take this thing down. I'm going to see it overcome. Um, and I, I think it's just such an exciting time to be alive. I, I, there are bad things going on, right? There yeah. definitely, and we hear about them. But I think the good is outweighing the bad in such an incredible way. Right. Well, it's, well, especially, well, it's hard to, to, to understand that because I don't really know much. I, I don't really watch the news. Never have. Yeah. So I've been blessed with that, you know? Yeah. So I call it bad news yeah. because everything on is bad. Yeah. And that's what people are seeing. They're seeing the news. They're seeing the newspaper. They're seeing social media and it's just, everything's just blasted out there. Sure. So if you see something multiple times, you start to believe it because you've you yeah, build true. this, like I told, or we were explaining before, the neural pathways. Yeah, you're 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 building that by thinking you, you can, you can play the piano. Mm. You can learn the scale. You can look at a piece of paper and it has the keys on it, and you can learn the scale by never touching the piano. Yeah, and you build the same neural pathway in your brain, mm -hmm. the, the connection. So when you go to play it on the piano, you can play the scale. Yeah. Just by so, reinforcing that exactly. habit, reinforcing that information. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and that becomes right the challenge of saying, what am I looking at? What am I feeding myself with? What am I exactly what am I taking in all of the time? And 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 I think it's a balance and it's a challenge that it's important and it's relevant to be connected and aware of what's going on in mm -hmm. our world. Yes. Like if we're gonna be people who take down mountains, we have to know what mountains we're facing. Right. And we're and we're um, you know, not living in in seclusion or in denial in that way. But I also think that we have to be really mindful about what am I taking in? And am I constantly going to places that are feeding me negativity? Am I constantly going to people that are feeding me negativity? Or am I going to places that are speaking to hope, to optimism, to a, a future? Um, and, and am I taking that in? Because I think there are plenty of places as well that are saying, hey, look how we're overcoming this thing. Look how we're making front lines in, in this area. Look how this ball is mm, being moved yeah. forward. And sometimes it's even just in, in the perspective or in the language on it. You can have one group who's you know, helping feed people in a community 
and their entire message is there are so many hungry people in our community. It's getting worse and worse. And then you have another group who's doing the same work and their message is we're feeding thousands of people every week. Look you know, at look at look side. at what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that starts affecting your brain and the yeah. way that you see the world and the way that you see what's possible. Mm -hmm. And so I really try to lean into people and to groups who say, look at the change we're making, not look how bad the issue is. Right. And I, I say this all the time. You are the average of the uh, seven people that you hang mm -hmm. out with the most. Yeah, I've heard that. So look at the people you're hanging out with. And if they have negative views or mm -hmm. scopes of the world, you probably do too. You sure. know, it rubs off on you. You learn habits and you have, you know, catchphrases or whatever, you yeah, know. Yeah. So, yeah, look at that. And if you want to start to better yourself, you're going to have to, you're going to have to change your environment or you're going to have to be stronger than your environment. Yeah, so, absolutely. Which is hard. To, if you have to do that, you should, but it's going to be much harder to be stronger than the environment you're in. You could just you know, leave or, you know, respectively cut off connections or whatever you have to do. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great point. One of the things that we talk about around here at the church a lot is this idea of a culture impact that, mm -hmm. that if you're trying to create change in something you need to get into, or you need to get someone into a culture or an environment that's stronger from what they're coming out of. So for example, if you think about someone, um, let's just go, you know, like extreme, someone who's been dealing with drug addiction, it's a yeah. huge issue in our area right now. Continuing to stay in the culture and the environment that they're in is one of the biggest indicators of whether yeah. or not they'll be able to get out of that. If they can move themselves out of that environment, out of that culture, and have an impact experience with a culture that says, you're bigger than your addiction, you're more than that issue in your life, you can overcome that, hey, there's a bright world for you, you're not destined to only be an addict and to, you know, all of these lies that they've started to believe. I'm only as good as my addiction. I'm going to die of this because all of the people in my world have been overcome by it. You can't be free from this. Mm -hmm. They can be impacted by an environment that says, no way, you're bigger than this. You can overcome it. Let's walk this out together and right. let's look at what you look at like on the other side, starting to visualize that thing. You know what? I can see myself free from this. I can see myself clean from this. I can mm -hmm. see myself holding a steady job and, and not burning all the bridges, but having great relationships in my mm -hmm. life. If I can be impacted by that environment, it starts to kind of pull me out of that space mm -hmm. and allow me to start to walk into a new space. It's, it's rough because you can replace drug addiction with anything. anything exactly. And it's rough because honestly, all what you're doing is looking for something you don't have. Mm. And what don't you have? That is self-love. Mm. So if you don't have that, you're literally going around in the world looking for yourself. Yeah. And you can't find yourself mm. until you look within. And can you identify what you don't have? I think we've all had that feeling of something feels out of place or missing in my life. Mm -hmm. But often we don't know what it is that we don't know. We don't exactly. know what we're missing. We don't know what we haven't experienced yet. Yep. And so hopefully coming into that new experience, that new environment helps me tar start mm -hmm. to identify and go, that's what I've been missing. That's the thing, or, or at least, at the very least, even if I can't name it yet, even if I can't call it yet, mm -hmm. I can spot someone else and go, that person has something mm -hmm. that I don't have, 
And I need to figure out what that is because that's the thing I've been looking for. Yeah. And it gives me something to, to target at, right? To run after. Yeah. Uh, Abe Lincoln, I believe it was Abe Lincoln said, mm. I don't like that man. I need to know him more. Yeah, exactly. So, so like, yeah, you can always learn something from each and every person out there. Yeah, to be curious. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to do that when you've grown up and you were taught different ways. Yeah. You know, you kind of you kind of have to get rubbed in the dirt and really fail and fall hard. Mm. And that's when you have two decisions. You can continue your path down the drain mm. and you're going to get worse. Yeah, or yeah. you can, you don't know what you, I don't know what to do, but I do know I want to make a change yeah. somehow. So how do I do that? Well, I better go look. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All of us have the the chance and the opportunity and probably experience both of the ways of learning things, which is I can either learn things through my own experience, through yeah. hitting a wall, through coming to the end of mm -hmm. something and finding it out, or I can learn something through someone else's experience, yes. which is the faster and the easier. Learn what not to do. <laughs> learn what not to do or what to do, you know, to yeah. say that person looks like they really nailed that. Yeah. How do I replicate what they do? How do yeah. I sit down and, and mm -hmm. take from what they've done? Or that person looks like they really bombed that. <laughs> yeah. Let me study what they did mm -hmm. and do all of the opposite things. And, and that's the faster way to learn. It's how I like to learn things when I can. Yeah. I've certainly had my share of, uh, you know, hitting the bottom or mm -hmm. hitting a wall and going, man, this isn't working. Um, but as much as I can, I like to get around other people. I like to be curious yeah. and say, what can I take from them that can speed up my journey and my process? Right. And that's, I always talk about experiencing new experiences mm -hmm. and, you know, going new places, doing new things, meeting new people. And you can do that in different things. You can do that in a book because yeah. how I said before, the scale with the piano and the paper, pretend the paper is the book and the piano is a vacation or, you know, any, anything like that. You can literally, like, your mind's so powerful. When you're in a book, you yeah. feel that you're in that book. Love that. And, like, yeah. that's, you can do that. Or you can go out, and I go on Toledo.com, and I like to go out with my girlfriend and go out to different places, have fun. Yeah. Instead of, you know, doing the same thing, watching a movie or, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have a great city to experience. I love that. My dad, growing up, my dad always says, um, that I can know anything that someone else knows if they took the time to write it down, right? So when yeah. you think about all of the things that have been learned over history that someone had to put in their sweat and tears to dig yeah. out, to research, mm -hmm. to discover, had to experience the hard way to learn it, if that person simply took the time to write it down, and, and maybe now we don't even have to say to write it down if they took the time to record it in a podcast, yeah. then, you know, then I can learn that. Then I can yes. know that as well, as long as I'm willing to take the time to read what they wrote, to listen to what they're saying, mm -hmm. then it saves me the bumps and the bruises and the tears oh, that yeah, they took. For sure. Um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm re currently reading a book called Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Okay. He's um, the emperor from uh, yeah. Rome. Mm -hmm. And that's way back in the yeah. day. And humans have not changed much Yeah. since then. We, we still... At the core, we're dealing with the same today, things. Like you would... Yeah. I mean, it'd be kind of crazy with technology and all <laughs> that. But like if you just have a discussion, you just be a normal person. Yeah. And he wrote a book and yeah. it applies to me 
very well. I can really learn from it. Yeah, isn't that amazing that at our essence, there's so much that we're dealing with that that's really the same. Mm -hmm. Identity, purpose, longing, what am I here for? Am mm -hmm. I known and, and do I have purpose? I think is at the core of what all of us are asking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Can, would you be able to share one of your hardships? One of my hardships, sure. I'm sure there are plenty, let me think. Um, I, well, I think just, I mean, coming into parenting, I found a lot of, of ups and downs in that. I think being a mom is one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do. I, I uh, was listening to someone who was a parent who was watching their child come into adulthood and their child was doing really great and they were talking about being introduced somewhere as the parent of so-and-so and, -so. and mm -hmm. you know how that is like a new almost label. And I started to think, wow, what an incredible honor that would be to later in my life be introduced as, you know, to be known as the the mom of so-and-so. Yeah. Not, not for maybe my own accolades, but for how how accomplished my kids are. Right. You are you are excited for them. Yeah, for, for them and their accomplishments and you know, and all the things that you sow into them. But that doesn't mean that coming into being a parent with them has not been filled with its difficulties. And I think we have a son who I see amazing leadership potential in. Mm -hmm. And I've found myself, you know, my husband and I work, both of us work outside of the home. And you come home and you go, wow, I have been so surprised at the fact that I am the weak parent. <laughs> I think I'm a pretty strong-willed person, but I allow myself to become tired and I mean, my three-year-old was like running all over me. Yeah. And my husband was like, he's going to keep doing that because you cave all the time. And it was, you know, that it maybe it sounds funny and, and maybe even trivial to somebody, but it was wearing on me emotionally. Mm -hmm. It was wearing on all of a sudden it's hitting all of my identity issues, all of my value oh, yeah. issues. Yeah. Because I think, well, I thought I was a really good parent when he was one, but now it's requiring something really different of me in this season. And, and who am I? And, and am I able to do this? And I, I had to find something new in myself. I had to reach out to other people. I had to, you know, get, get some reading, get um, some new equipping, look at other parents who have kids who are older, who I think their, parent, their kids seem pretty great, seem <laughs> yeah. like they're doing okay, seem like they're alive still, <laughs> and say, you know, what did you do along the way? And that really um, was something that I had to, had to lean into. And I mean, and I'm still leaning into, but had to find another place in myself to say, you can't keep tapping out on this because right. you're tired. Mm -hmm. um, because because it's not fair to him. Right. Ten years from now, he's going to be 13. Mm -hmm. And if you don't deal with some of this now, it's going to be a lot bigger monster at 13 oh, yeah. than it is at three and at four. If, yeah. If you don't do it now, you're going to have to do it later. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, I have young kids. Um, two yeah. and five, yeah, and or three and she turned three. Asher's turning six, and well, it's in August. There so I'm go. just really excited about just it. Jumping ahead, <laughs> but um, yeah, like every, as the older they get, they change. So yeah. you can't do the same thing. So exactly you're gonna right. have to change. Yeah, and you what? What do you do? Well, I can't do the same thing I've been doing. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's not gonna work. So I'm gonna yeah. have to. You know, maybe do the opposite. Maybe I don't know, but research or something like that. But really, be conscious about it and yeah, observant. And absolutely, listen to your kids. They have words. They have minds. Yeah, they have they're hearts. incredible. 
they're smart. They're way smarter than you think. Yeah. I mean, two-year-olds try to, you know, play the card where, you know, they're going to cry if they don't get what they want. No, and they you pick up very can't. quickly. Yeah, they yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they're going to, if they do that too, yeah, that's going to be ingrained in them. They're going to do that when they're a teenager, yeah, when hormones absolutely. are going and everything. Oh, that's going to be. Yeah, I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> I'm just, just trying to get yeah. past, you know, the right. four-year-old stage. But, you know, if, if you did a really good job when they're one, two, three, and you keep try, trying, mm. they're going to turn out really good. That's what I'm hoping. That's the most That's, important years of their life. That yeah, di- dictates the rest so. of their life. Yeah, I think you set, I mean, like so many things, you set the foundation during those early times. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about parenting or if we're talking about someone who uh, just launched a business, those early years, it mm-hmm. feels like it's demanding so much. Yeah. But you're laying the foundation. And, you know, I mean, I think everyone who's listening isn't a parent, no doubt. But but whatever you're doing, those early years demand so much of you, but they're foundational. And so if you do it right, if you're talking about setting up a marriage, if you're talking about setting up a business, if you lay that foundation right, it is going to set you up for where you're going. Otherwise, you're going to have to go back. You're going to have to dig it up. You're going to have to get the jackhammer out. You're going to have to get that, you know, get that concrete reset in the right direction. Right. Um, Actually, I I'm going to skip a couple questions since we're talking about parenting. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to know. Let's take that loop. (laughs) I wanted to. I was really curious about uh, your philosophies and views on parenting. Yeah, I am definitely developing them. I'm making it up as I go, which is what I'm discovering all parents are actually doing. Any parent who tells you they've got it figured out is probably, you know, making that up as they're going. They're (laughs) telling themselves, I know what I'm doing. I think uh, one of the things my husband and I try and keep in mind is that we're raising adults, not raising children. So mm-hmm. we're always trying to keep the future in mind. Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer that kids rise to the bar that you set for them. So we, we believe big things and big dreams for our kids. And um, something I'm really passionate about is speaking over our kids who they are not who they're not and making that part of the, you know, the corrective process. So for example, like a a lot of little boys, our three-year-old is learning, or he's four now, especially when he was three, he's really learning to deal with all of these big emotions that all of a sudden he's having. And that would come out in swinging and hitting and, you know, not being sure. So that's that's rough. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough to deal with. It's, you know, especially when it happens in public and all of that. (laughs) So if you're right there, just, you know, keep walking. But so one of the things we started having him do is take his little hands. And and when he was having once we got him calmed down, say, you know, my hands are for helping. My hands are for healing. My hands are for building. Hmm. My hands aren't for hitting. Right. I want him to start saying over himself what what he's going towards, not just always correcting Mm. what's not working um, and trying to trying to redirect with what do I want you to do right now? Um, I think that's, I guess, part of our parenting philosophy. I don't know. I don't know if Mm -hmm. we've been at it long enough to (laughs) say what our parenting philosophy is yet. Yeah. Keep them alive. That's (laughs) a big part of our parenting philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. I like uh, what you said. Tell, telling them who they are and mm. who they are not. 
And I, I, I like that because also we always tell, like you, you think about the future, which is really, really good. Yeah. But like if we tell them who they are right now mm-hmm. versus telling them who they're going to be, yeah, then they think in fair. their mind, well, that's not who I am. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to please you. I'm trying to not make you mad. Yeah. Uh, which is good. Obedience is good. But like they're scared. Hmm. They're scared to make you disappointed. I mean, what, which is good, but like they're hiding feelings inside. Yeah, that's not good. expressing. Mm-hmm. They're keeping it in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what have you found that works? Your kids are a little older than mine, so I'm going to leave here with I'm, some I'm parenting in the same tips. Boat, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Asher, Asher, I, I, I don't uh, talk about it much because I really honestly don't care, but he is diagnosed with autism. Okay. So I have to be very abstract. Yeah, yeah. And with Asher, anytime he, or can, well, first, can you imagine if you, all, like, tomorrow you wake up and you don't know what feelings are? Yeah. And all of a sudden you have anger. And yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be lunacy. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's yeah. what they're going through. And they're, yep. they're trying to understand. So I need to, I need to be compassionate about that. Yeah. So when he gets angry and does hitting or yeah. like, uh, is just overstimulated, is excited. Yeah. We we take a breath and we count to three. So one, two, three, deep breath in yep. and out. And we do it. If it doesn't work the first time, we do it again. And we keep doing it until he his heart slowed down. Yeah. Which if your heart's beating fast, your emotions are gonna be going right. bouncing around like crazy. And just quiet your mind, quiet your heart. That's what I do for myself. Yeah. I love it. If I'm going through emotions, because we are not our emotions. Yeah. Our emotions are just chemical reactions in our body. We don't get to choose. Break it all the way down. Yeah. (laughs) You don't get to choose to be angry. Why would you want to be angry? Mm. You don't get to choose to have envy. Like everyone has a jealous moment or, you know, they have this dark feeling. We all have Mm. dark feelings. We just have to be observant of yeah. it and be like, all right, I see this right now. Yeah. I can't, it's not me. So what I'm going to do is be in the present and I'm going, I meditate. If I'm having a hard time, I'm going to meditate until I feel clear and a little bit refreshed. Yeah. And I have to practice that until that's, that ride is over. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like what you said that, you know, that we all have emotions and, mm-hmm. And it can be, I think, um, easy to try and just shut down emotions that our kids are having. But yeah. one of the things we try and do with our boys is is say, okay, I can see that you're feeling this way. Mm. What do we do with it now? That's good. You know, because that's, a, I don't, I don't want to teach my kid because you feel upset about something that you need to push it down or mm-hmm. that you need to go go hide away. But I want to teach you, okay, how do we process this? What's an appropriate way? that yeah. you can handle this because yelling is not mm-hmm. an acceptable way in the Ryburn household <laughs> to deal with that emotion. Yeah. But what is an acceptable way to deal with it? Right. And also we need to express our emotions. And even as adults, mm. we have to let ourselves be sad. Totally. We can't say, I'm not allowed to be sad. Mm. Like, why are you sad? Why are you crying? Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm crying because I had a hard day. I'm really stressed. Right. And all these things are going on. Yeah. Oh, you know, smile. You know, it'd be better if you smile, chip her up. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
all this stuff. And we're, we're told not to be, you know, we're told to push through, you know? Mm. So just be in the moment and feel the sadness. Yeah. I mean, it's, it does suck that kids get sad yeah. and hurt, you know, and we just gotta let them be in the moment. Yeah. But also dip in the, we have to dip in the future though. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I like to, in kind of the Montessori philosophy, I like to dabble in a lot of stuff. There's this concept of entering the world of the child. Um, and I think it's easy as a, as a parent to go, you're crying over your crayons got broken. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. The crayon still works. I'll buy you new crayons. Right. But if you can enter the the world of a three year old, of a four year old, yeah, that's, that's a huge deal to them. It, it matters. Yeah. And to start to go, okay, it it doesn't matter to me because I have a bigger perspective because it's not that big of an issue in my life because I have other things going on. Mm -hmm. But your four-year-old doesn't have other things going on. It's a huge deal to them. And that becomes the building block, the foundation for saying, okay, you feel really sad about this right now. What do we do with that emotion before it is something really major in their life? Mm -hmm. And now they, they haven't learned how to process that emotion. They haven't learned that the things that they feel matter, that what they're experiencing matters in that moment as well. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, I, I try to do that. I don't know that I always do great at it That's really because good. I get, you know, I get lost in, in my day and in my world and, yeah. and I just got home from work and mommy's right. got to make dinner and yada, yada. Perfect, yeah. You know? But, um, but yeah, I try to, to say, okay, let's give voice to that. Let's enter this moment with my child and what this means to them. That's very good. Is it kind of funny that when you hang out with the kid or a baby, when you hang out with the baby, mm. you know, you hold the baby and you have this very very it's like you take in the, the essence of the baby yeah you feel that like that connection like that joy yeah you, then you it's so pure mm -hmm. yeah very very they're in they are innocent yeah you can't get any more innocent than that then you have a toddler playing laughing having mm. a good time being goofy now you're being goofy yeah so you take they draw in. you in we forget how to be children yeah we grow up to be adults and we throw away our imagination, mm. we throw away our child, and then we wonder why we're upset. That's because that child, <laughs> that yeah. child, like maybe that child went through trauma and they had to, you know, it looks like I had to grow up a little earlier mm. in life. Mm -hmm. So I don't get, you know, or like, or I'm always, I always disappoint my parents or something like that, mm. so I don't want to disappoint people. So they carry that and they hide it and the emotions inside and they're adults. So they don't yeah. tell that child that it's okay. Yeah. That you are loved. You love, you know, you love, I love you. Like love the child inside yourself. Yeah. Then bring the child out. Mm. Your imagination is super important to be creative. Yeah. Yeah. To stay connected to that creativity, to that wonder. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, when we talk about, um, you know, all of the amazing things that technology obviously opens up to us, there are these downsides of the, uh, inability to be bored no oh, and yeah. the ability to be bored allows your mind to wander allows mm -hmm. those creative thoughts to yeah, it does. come open and, and I, don't, I know how many times i've caught myself doing it <laughs> yeah you sit there and and your mind starts to wander and so you think oh i need to do something active which is what checking my instagram feed checking <laughs> yeah. my facebook feed and and it's not really active but it feels active mm -hmm. and i feel like i'm doing something but what I'm really doing is is numbing that feeling of boredness. And, right. and that boredom can lead me to all kinds of places, to answers, to discovery, mm -hmm. to that feeling of, 
of settledness and 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 that's a big thing i mean i guess maybe is more even than a parenting philosophy as a household philosophy for us is trying to not fill every single space trying to not overstimulate our kids we um i just recently went through the boys toys a little bit and and cleaned a bunch of stuff out and left less toys they certainly still have more toys than they need i don't want to <laughs> yeah. pretend that they don't but put less toys and when we did that i went and um our four-year-old was playing with like just this bucket and one of his like little motorized cars but he was finding all of these different ways to play with it he put the car inside the bucket mm -hmm. and it made it you know like a turning wheel and then he put the car inside the bucket with the bucket down and the car was strong enough that it was like pushing the bucket all around and he could see the lights flashing through it and i was just watching him thinking he is in creative play right now discovering yeah. and his brain is making so many different connections about oh, yeah. how those things work together and about why that shape does that and why those lights reflect that way through that color bucket that are so much more beneficial than just giving him a toy that works for him or always letting him be right. overstimulated with toys. So I think we try to not over, we're, I mean, we're very busy. We have a lot going on, but then create space in our life that says less is going to go on in this space. So we're going to, we're going to put the phones in the other room. We're going to turn the TVs mm -hmm. off. We're just going to let this space be an open space so that, so that your brain can, can take that time. Right. I, I think, it, I think when we were growing up, grew up in the era or, and wait, everyone before us too, mm. you know, um, the, the parents kick us out, go outside and play. Yeah, sure. And I don't think many people do that much anymore. Mm. And when you're outside and play, what do you do? You, I don't know. I play with my soccer ball, kick it on the roof. Or, yeah. you know, I, I go and make up a game with my friends. And, you know, just there's invisible people that, you know, you got to you gotta fight the invisible people, invisible monsters. I, you know, just creativity like that. Mm. And now we have our phones, just like you yeah, said. Yeah kills boredom yeah and that is a uh problem yeah i think it, yeah i think it's something you have to actively you know work against and and think who do i want to be where do i want to be a, a year from now and and is this valuing mm -hmm. that is this adding to that or is it detracting from it right so so in your household you're 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 you're, you're talking about limiting distractions. Mm. Okay. So what kind of things do you do like for everyone? Like practically? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, um, so my husband and I work really hard to be off of our phones from when we get home um, until the boys go down for dinner, uh, until the boys go down for bed <laughs> after dinner. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a specific spot in our house that we put our phones, which, nice. which helps with that. It does. Um, we, we kind of tried to do it without that and found that it's just, man, it's a tough pull, right? You hear your phone ding or you feel it oh, vibrate yeah. and, and so you go check it. So we try and take our phones and put them in that specific spot, which, which helps us then if you are like, oh, I forgot to reply to so-and-so, I really should do that before it gets too late in the evening. I have to physically go to that spot, right. answer my phone and... So things like that help us. Um, we are, our youngest guy's only a year old, so he doesn't watch any TV. Our son doesn't watch TV during the week. Mm -hmm. He gets a little bit of TV on the weekends. And recently he actually has to earn that TV mm -hmm. time um, with a couple of little, you know, toddler style chores throughout the week. 
So we try and do um, some of those types of things. We guard our, we have a certain time in our week that is kind of family time, family morning, and we guard that time pretty tightly. We don't um, schedule many things then. It would have to be something really important and out of the usual to be uh, scheduled in that time. Um, so those are kind of some of the things we do. Dinner time nice. is pretty staple for us. We eat dinner together most nights of the week. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Have a conversation. And we bring our kids into that conversation. What did you learn today? Mm-hmm. Did you learn something new today? What did you do throughout your day? And there are 100% no toys at the table. Um, I was t- joking but serious with the 15-month-old the other day. He has a little like... You know, it dings and lights up and says words mm-hmm. type phone. Yeah. And he was walking around with it and came over to the dinner table to climb up in his little high chair. And I said, oh, no phones at the table, even for you, you know, which <laughs> obviously is a joke. Yeah. But but is a principle that that, yeah. that we don't bring phones to the table at our house. They go in the spot and um, that there's there's not anything important enough in our life that we right. can't take that 30 minutes to uh, to set the phones away. So I don't know. Those are some of our practical boundaries. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, it is an addiction big time. Mm. And I've done that. I need to get better at it. But I have done it where I have a something I want to accomplish. I'll put my phone up in my bedroom. Yeah. And I, it takes effort to walk upstairs and go check your phone versus in your pocket or just right there. So yeah. it definitely helps. And I definitely, I got to get better at that. Yeah, and, and TV it's, it's with kids, I, sh- I shut it off. I work with it. But yeah, sometimes they it's like we walk in the door and they beg me to watch something. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I got to get the groceries in the house, got to cook. Totally. And, and it's real helpful. It's like, all right. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know I got to be mindful of that. And you can feel it. I mean, if you if you're, um, you know, in a time when you're being more restrictive with your phone, I've felt that like draw to go back to it and you go, whoa, like I really do have. Yeah. You know, an an internal click, a mental click that's mm-hmm. saying, Oh, you could go check your phone right now. Um, so yeah, it's something we always have to stay on top of. I, when I'm tired, I'm more likely to just wanna grab my phone mm-hmm. and and fiddle through it and you know, and, and waste an hour. So yeah, I mean we try and be thoughtful about that. We try and call each other on it, um, with with some of that stuff. Yeah. So we got your kids. Yeah. Now we have you and your husband. What kind of yeah. what kind of uh, things do you do to keep it healthy mm-hmm. before and after? Like before you had kids, yeah, and then to now, like because of course it's easier to do it to spend time and have a progressing healthy relationship. Yeah. But what what do you think is a good foundation? What's important? And then when you have kids, what's how do you keep that? Because that's extremely hard, and yeah. this is the problem people have is absolutely we don't work at our relationships it's always work yeah yeah so my husband and i have a lot of overlapping spaces in our life so right now we're sitting in my husband and i's office we share an office Mm -hmm. and so we see a lot of each other we are co-lead pastors at our church so we share decisions we share roles we share physical space we see each other a lot which is a really dangerous space in our life because it feels like you're connecting a lot. Yeah. But if we're not intentional about it, we could get to the end of our week and realize we've had a lot of questions about logistics in our world, but we haven't actually checked in with each other on how are you doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a space that we have to stay intentional about. Before we had kids, you're right, it was a lot easier. 
we um, did for a while. We turned the TV off at night. It's an easy go-to. Oh, let's wind down. Let's turn on the TV. Uh, so for a while, we turned the TV off at night, and we would play board games or card games or something like that. Um, something easy that you can kind of talk over and play at the same time is something that we really enjoyed for a while. Uh, we still do that sometimes, but we, we don't do it as much in this season because uh, after the, the brief hours after kids go to bed before we go to bed is more about putting our house back together right now than it is about sitting down. But we do a monthly date night together. That's nice. something that we um, instilled right before our son was born. We kind of looked down the road and thought, mm, we need to get committed to this uh, and stay consistent with it. So we do date night. Our anniversary is on the 30th of March. Nice. So we do date night on the 30th of every month. February throws us a curveball, but mm -hmm. we work it out. Um, or at least as close to the 30th as we can get. The thing that's been fun about that is it kind of switches up your nights and kind of your, your uh, placement. So we get a little bit more creative about it. It's worked well for us to alternate who's responsible for planning date night. Yeah. So one person kind of surprises the other person or does something. Um, and, and yeah, so we try and do fun stuff. We try and get out. We try to make time every week to sit down and whether it's over dinner saying, okay, how's, how's this actually going with you? Um, my husband has been great for me. I'm not as good at talking about how I'm doing, how mm -hmm. I'm feeling, uh, at, he's much better at expressing that. He's much better at getting getting to it early. I try and look for like this perfect moment, oh, and yeah. especially there's never and there's moment. never a perfect yeah. moment exactly. And especially the more you have going on in life, there's never a perfect moment, and you just have to learn to get to it. Um, but we we try and be intentional with that and say let's let's talk about it. We are deeply committed to fighting it out. We don't believe in um, in leaving things. We don't believe in ignoring things. We don't believe in, and I guess I would say in fighting it out, having good resolution in what we're fighting out, not just fighting and then leaving that and saying, good, everyone express their emotions, but, but let's get to, okay, what are we going to do now? How are we going to make sure we don't end up here again? Or, or what led us here? How do we resolve that? Again, um, my husband is excellent at that. He's really good at, at then tailoring us in and saying, okay, but where are we going? And I, I think that comes from that we are committed to be in this mm -hmm. and we are committed to, you know, however long it takes. And that for me has changed my perspective. All of a sudden I look and I go, okay, this is not working about our relationship and I'm committed to being with you forever. So I have to fix this. We have to figure out what else we're going to do about this. Either this is not that big of a deal and I just need to get over it. Or we have to sort something else out because I'm not going to live the next 80 years with whatever this thing is. So I don't think we're experts. I mean, the foundation of our relationship is our, our mutual love for God. We put that at the center of everything that we do. And our whole world moves and spins on that axis. Um, and I don't know. I think, again, we're still figuring it out as we go. I feel like we're so early. We're really blessed to have parents on both sides who have been married for decades now. My parents have been married for, I think, 35 years, something like that. My husband's parents have been married for nearly 40 years. 
So we have incredible examples on both sides. So when I say we've been married for eight years, it to me feels like nothing still, like we're still getting started. We're still figuring it out. Um, but we, I think intentionality is probably the reoccurring theme in our lives that we try to be intentional about. What are we spending time on? How are we investing in that time? I don't think, like you said, I don't think that good marriages happen by accident. I don't no, think that no. great kids happen by accident. I don't think strong careers happen by accident. I think when you're intentional about setting things up, that's how it happens. Yeah, there's this thing called moral luck. Mm. And you can like, every, every everything's luck. Basically. Okay. You can get, and luck could be good or bad. You could get, right. you could get cut off. You could make every green light. All right. So you can have moral luck. That's, that's what that is. All right. But you can kind of like, you know, let, let me think of an example, maybe like a, a dartboard. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not good at throwing. You've never thrown a dart in your life. Yeah. But you know, facing the dartboard and throwing at the dartboard, maybe you'll land somewhere. Sure. So if you direct yourself mm -hmm. somewhere and kind of like if you look back in your history, maybe your resume, you can understand how hindsight's twenty twenty. You can understand exactly how you got here. Yeah. Because you've lined all your ducks in a row and mm -hmm. got here. So if you know that, you can kind of apply that almost to the to the near future mm. and kind of have stepping stones to go where you want to go. Yeah. Because, you know, anything can happen. A, a, you know, a tragedy could happen and you kind of have to put stuff to the side or, yeah. you know, good stuff can happen. So yeah. like that's the thing of moral, moral luck. Yeah, no, it sounds interesting. I'll have to look into it more. I, I like to look towards the end and then mm. work my way back, right? Yeah, yeah. Where do I want to be at the end of this? Where do I want to be? And I, I kind of That's do really that good. in in big ways and in more short-term ways. I like to look way down and say, you know, okay, when I'm, when I'm 80, where do I want to be? What do I want my world to look like? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's step backwards from that and what do I need to do to get there? And, and then more short-term, at the end of this week, what do I want right. to, Not to just, look like? Yeah. yeah. And then step backwards, okay, what needs to be part of my week? What needs to not be part of my week to get there? Because mm -hmm. I, I believe that we're here on purpose. I believe God mm -hmm. gave us purpose and and that this part of our existence is finite. Oh, yeah. And so if, if that's true, I want to get, man, I want to max it out. I want to get everything I can out of that. it. People don't understand that. A lot, a lot of us have like this invincibility mm. mentality. Mm. And we're barely, we've barely been around. Sure. And for the history of the universe or, you know, wh whatever you want, your, your philosophy or religious views or whatever, mm. we're not here forever. Yeah, absolutely. So the human race is not going to be here that long for the entirety of existence. Mm. So why not just make the best of your life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you get, you know, get the most out of it and and really say what what kind of an impact can I have while I'm here? Yeah. Yeah. What do you really want to do with your life? Like, do you want to spend it with, with a journey shared with someone else? Like, do you want to have a, a an impact together and really share something with right. someone? Which will take work. It's much more work to do that mm. versus being single. Yeah. Single, you can but take. Like, yeah. I mean, like anything, it's your, your max or your weighing up. What mm -hmm. is the though the investment versus what I'm getting out of this and what is yeah. and where do I feel like I'm I'm meant to be to get what right. you know what I want out of my life and, mm -hmm. and what I feel like I'm called to yeah
it's this other other person and all of a sudden they have a disagreement they're, yeah, they're yeah. gonna they're going to they're another person absolutely and you know now you have to deal with that when when it's just you you can't have disagreements with yourself yeah no doubt and you well know, i don't know i've had some pretty good disagreements <laughs> with myself <laughs> And you, you can, you know, you can go out and you can date and all that. Sure. And, you know, you don't have to like have anyone tell you what to do and all that. But, yeah. but what do you, like, if you look at the end of your life, mm. which could be tomorrow, it could be any yeah. day. Yeah. And so if you look at it that way, at, if we're scared, we're like death is taboo. Mm. And if we, we try to avoid it, but if we really look at it, it makes life so precious. Mm. Yeah. So, Absolutely. You know, the rainy days make the sunny days lovely. And, yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. It's what makes living mean something is that yeah. there's an end to it. It's what makes any season mean something is that there's yeah. an end to it. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like nothing is permanent. Is mm -hmm. is a, That's like a Buddhist philosophy. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, just be in the present. So, you, you know, nothing is permanent. You know, things end. Yeah. All good things come to an end. So like you got to make the best of it. So yeah. just enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, um, you know, defining your enjoyment, defining your purpose, defining mm -hmm. your your ultimate goal um, helps rein in on all that. So let's see where are we at on time. OK, so we're going to try to wrap it up. I have a few uh, questions I want to all right. go back to okay great so like for example the mountains yeah um so how can s we have the mountains are theoretical mm -hmm. and we're trying to move these mountains you yeah. know do the impossible and how do we start yeah i think the yeah great question um so i think identifying your mountain right that's mm -hmm. the first thing you can't overcome something that you haven't been able to name in your life yet right that you haven't been able to truly identify and and i think some of that comes to that slowing down to that purpose sometimes we're fighting something and we don't even know what we're actually fighting because we haven't slowed down enough to look and say okay let me name this let me define it let me get specific about what it is i'm trying to overcome mm -hmm. so i think that's a, a great starting point so what if you have a problem in your life, mm -hmm. uh, something that you need to do, yeah. but you don't even know that. You can't, you haven't, how do you identify something you don't even know is a problem in your life? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, I think going to what am, what are my goals? What am I trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And and is everything in my life working towards that? Or are there things that are detracting from that? I think that's a great identifier of I have a problem in my life, mm -hmm. that something is taking me off course. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we talk, I talk a lot about things that are, that can be benefiting us. You know, we think of the big, ugly things like where we started earlier, right? Like addiction. Yeah. Okay. That's a problem in your life. And you probably don't need a lot of help identifying that. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I think for a lot of us, TV is a problem in our life Yeah. and, and we don't identify it because it's not, you know, this big, ugly, hairy thing, mm -hmm. but in fact, it's detracting from where you're trying to go or what you're trying to go after. You sit down and say, I'm going to watch this 45 minute show. And then three yeah. and a half hours later, yeah, you're watching you're someone else enjoy there. their life exactly. instead of enjoying your own life. Yeah. Um, a, a thing that I'm, I have been working on that I, I feel like I've actually started to gain some traction. Sleep can be a big issue in That's my life. That's my problem. I love, I love to sleep. I mm -hmm. love a nap. And, yeah. and oh, genuinely, yeah. it can be a form of escapism for me if yeah. I don't keep an eye on it. Mm. 
And so if, if I'm honest with myself, I mean, that's not that much different than the addict who's escaping through drinking right. too much or through right. shooting up something. Right. It just maybe doesn't have as detrimental of long-term effects or danger to others. But right. in terms of getting me to my goal, it's, it's doing the same thing. I'm yeah. using it as a way to escape. Mm. So, so I think that, that saying, what is my goal, starts to help me identify those. And then I think having really good, trustworthy voices in your life is really helpful for that. Mm, People yeah. who you can lean on who can say, this thing is becoming an issue in your life. This, yeah, this thing, absolutely. Yeah. Who, who you allow to see in your life, who you allow to, um, to speak into your life. I think that great accountability is a really helpful tool in identifying what are those problems. Awesome. I, I like that. So I, I like how you say said the escape escapism. So we yeah. do when we do things and we we're not even it's not even in our conscious that we're trying to escape. Yeah. We're trying to make ourselves feel a little better yeah, by absolutely. watching the TV to forget about the world. Yeah. So we gotta face yeah, we have to face our mountains. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's awesome. Yeah, so I think, you know, naming it is the is the first step of of overcoming it. And then I think um, identifying who who am I really? Because yeah. I don't I don't believe that we're identified by our problems. No. I believe that all of us were created in God's image and that he has specific purpose for us. So when I start to identify more with that and then say, Yeah, I'm dealing with this or mm -hmm. I have a problem. And I think our words are so powerful yeah. that it's, you know, I'm not this thing. I'm, I'm dealing with this thing. I'm working on right. this thing. I'm overcoming mm -hmm. this thing. Be, really means something about the way that we then begin to form our, our world. Mm -hmm. So I think starting to then lean into that identity, that purpose, and visualize yourself not dealing with this problem anymore is a, is a huge step in it as well. I think it's kind of important to, I like how you said we're not our problems, mm. you know, and we identify stuff with what we do. So if we have problems, if I'm an alcoholic, I identify as an alcoholic. Yeah. If I have a good career and I'm a mom, yeah, I yeah. identify myself as a, a strong uh, worker and a mother, and that's not who you are if you're not your yeah. problems that's also not you well because what happens when that side reels what happens when your company for some yeah. reason goes bankrupt or gets bought out and you mm -hmm. you get moved and your whole identity was yeah. that career that that mm -hmm. success but in fact your identity is outside of that it's a great point right like uh, a million like say a millionaire or a billionaire loses mm -hmm. all their money and it, then the next day they're like i lost all my money but they're acting like it's not a big deal yeah. why that you lost everything you had well, what I have is not me because yeah. I have the mindset yeah. of a billionaire. I know how to make money. Yeah. I am not worried yeah. that the money's not who I am. I just enjoy what I do. I know that how to work things out yeah. and all that. Yeah, that's great. Um, I would like you to um, do a little uh, maybe like uh, advertisement or whatever. Ah, I would like to right. yeah, talk about For the what? church and... Well, yeah, ah. just to, you know, plug your church and everything. Oh, I, yeah. I would love to. Yeah, so um, my husband and I are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. So we are based in Northwest Ohio. We are most often at our original location, which is in Maumee, Ohio. And we have uh, four other locations. So five locations total throughout Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan. 
We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. All of our info can be found at cornerstone.church. And we love for people to experience the presence of God. We uh, believe in a God who is talking and is active and is not dead or disconnected from your life today. So we would love to invite people to join us online, which I think is where you've caught us a couple times. Come and join us in a service. Um, come experience just the goodness of who God is. We think God's a lot of fun. We think the people of God are a lot of fun, and we would love for you to be part of it. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a church, I definitely recommend it. It's What I've seen so far is it's beautiful. This is the yeah, first time I've been you. in here. You're so. kind. Um, one last question. All right. What's one thing you've learned that's changed your life that you've learned from someone else? I have learned everything that I've learned from someone else. So uh, it's a tough question. I think something that uh, someone said to me kind of early on as I started, I don't know, maybe stepping into what I think my purpose was is that when someone calls you know you know calls you to show up at something to come to an event to come be in a room be at a table them know that they called you on purpose um, and especially in today's day and age they knew what they were getting right you called me because you to come here and do this podcast because you saw me doing something so you knew what you were getting it's not like a, a mystery box anymore. Someone's already looked you up on YouTube and Googled you and checked you out and scanned your social before they brought you in. So it's not a mystery. So let go of that thought that that you have to be someone else or you have to put on something else or that you have to, you know, fake or show up in a certain way. Um, I've had the honor of being in a lot of different rooms and spaces, and that has really helped to anchor me and to ground me over the years because I, um, I'm still fairly young. Sometimes I'm in rooms where I'm the only woman. Sometimes I'm in the room where I'm a lot younger than everyone else. And there's a, a hesitancy. I've been in so many rooms where I feel like I know less than everyone else in the room. And there's a, a desire sometimes to shrink back and just say, let me just not really be part of this. But if someone's called you to come into a space, they've called you there and they know who you were, so just bring all of yourself and step into that. And, and I've always been really grateful for that advice over the years. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully it turns out good. Oh, yeah. It's going to be wonderful. Awesome. <laughs>